Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you, the beloved listener of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 FM. My name is Nimrod Upambele, and welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance. Uh, on this show, we bring, we definitely bring along thought leaders and captains of industry with vast experience and insights on how to manage very complex environments. Our value proposition really is that about substance uh, that is grounded in deep reflections, which takes our conversation forward as opposed to entertaining rhetoric, which tend to be very myopic. Meanwhile, let's continue to extend the goodwill by donating food and clothes to the needy. We would definitely push the agenda for a true north. Having said that, I'm always delighted to come to your radio to share my experience and insights with uh, my esteemed guests here. Before we get to the gist of our conversation with my guest, uh, Dr. Ezran Banwick, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Patrick Fitzgerald, who is the former Deputy Vice Chancellor at Vets University on his views regarding the mischief in the public universities that you've seen recently. If you missed the show, not to worry. Simply go to our website, which is www.highfm.com, download that particular podcast, and share your views with us. Our SMS line is 34519. Your views and thoughts are most welcome via my Twitter handle, which is at Dr. Mbele. You know, before we unpack the role of entrepreneurship uh, towards economic recovery uh, with my esteemed guest here, allow me to dispense with the words of gratitude to my colleagues who make the show a success. A word of thanks to technical producers, Harrison Kelly, as well as Wisma Singer, I dare not to acknowledge you. In, in anticipation of our conversation with my guest here, who is Ezra Wandre, uh, Ezra is the founder of the and an executive chairperson at the Jewel Point Holding. And I certainly hope we are going to have a very interesting conversation with him. Meanwhile, I implore you to, again, weigh in on our conversation via our SMS line, which is 34519. The thrust of our conversation with Dr. Ngwambi here, essentially, it's about small businesses, which, in my view, they are an integral part of economic emancipation for the vast majority of uh, South Africans, let alone entrepreneurs. In setting this scene, I feel very much obliged to emphasize the significance of entrepreneurship. In my view, uh, it is not just about entrepreneurship for that matter. It is not just about, a, it's not about starting a business. It's about creating opportunities and driving innovation and fostering economic development. These are very complex issues which are not easy. And the only person who qualifies to make that kind of observation is, is my guest here. But in painting the picture that would lay the basis for my conversation with my guest here, I just want to reflect on one or two big, two or three things that begins to show the significance of entrepreneurship as one of the solutions that could emancipate the country from the quagmire of economic collapse, as it seems to most people. We have the highest crime stats in the world, 
and violent crime for that matter. Our unemployment rates are the highest in the world. We're currently sitting at about, what, 40% of unemployment rates, of which 70% of that is youth. Uh, when you look at the Gini coefficient as a measure of, of inequality, we are the most unequal society in the world, and that is qualified by the fact that there's 90% of the country's wealth which is owned by less than percent of the population. And what has been a manifestation of, of that inequality is that uh, it is common cause that poverty has a black face and a gender face in, the, in this country. And when you look at our solar, solar rating status, which has been significantly reduced to sub-investment sub level, which means we are literally in a junk uh, environment. We are not lucrative. When we borrow, the interest rates that we have to pay are significantly higher. And when you have higher interest rates, which means you're taking away from investment uh, environment, uh, which really needs to drive the economy forward. And the fact that we've also been, you know, great-listed by the Financial Action Task Force also undermines the foreign direct investments that are desperately needed. And given this very complex uh, and, and multi-layered issue, we obviously have to look for solutions, obviously have to explore the extent to which uh, small businesses could be at the center of economic recovery and sustainability. And this begs the question, what is the role of government or what has been the role of government? Without any waste of time, let me bring uh, Dr. Islam Ronre, who is the founder of WorldPoint Holdings. Dr. Ronre, good morning and welcome to Beyond Governance. Morning to you, Dr. Mbele. I'm delighted to be your guest this morning. Thank you very much. It has been a while since you and I have been on air. You know, typically, there's somebody who joins who joins the the show pretty much every day, and it is important to perhaps give a sense of who is Ezra Brownre, definitively speaking. In broad strokes, I think I'm not going to go into the details of who I am. I always have a problem with having to um, deliver myself or introduce myself. But nonetheless, Ezra Andre is a young boy that grew up in a township, went to um, higher education, acquired um, uh, degrees and started working as an entrepreneur the past 20 years. He's been at that journey for various reasons, because I believe that uh, entrepreneurship is but one of the major cocks that we need to nurture, and also just to demonstrate that we are an innovative community or society, if you will. So my interest in entrepreneurship is actually quite vast, from small businesses, from starting businesses, to investing in businesses as a as an investor, if you will. So I have an interest. This subject is very close to my heart. That's who Ezra Ndwandri is. Thank you very much for that insight. Uh, we definitely welcome that. Part of your interest uh, entrepreneurship is a cop that needs to be nurtured. The assumption is that the environment recognizes that. But what is your overall view of the entrepreneurship landscape in the country? Okay, let's start by giving credence to why entrepreneurship is an important, is an important cog. So studies have shown that entrepreneurship is important or plays an important role in economic growth. When we tap into our entrepreneurial expertise, we begin to create new solutions, whether they come as new products or they come as new companies. 
we begin to create what doesn't exist in the name of entrepreneurship. So that that's very important in economic growth because the creation of those solutions leads to the development of new uh, uh, companies or new um, SMEs, if if you will. But also studies can confirm and 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 suggest that entrepreneurship is important in terms of driving social stability. Social stability in terms of creating jobs, in terms of emancipating of, of individuals to be able to do what they need to do without thinking about surviving um, the next, how do they get to the next meal, if you will. So those, all of those things are very important and they create that importance of a cog in, in entrepreneurship, as it were. It's not the only um, important intervention, but it's a major intervention that can assist us in driving economic growth, if, if, if you will. I think it's very important to appreciate what entrepreneurship does and where we're at. Um, the unfortunate thing is that I do not think that South Africans are geared mentally and otherwise to drive or to participate as entrepreneurs. And this stems from a number of reasons, one of which, which is a major reason, is our schooling uh, process, no schooling program. Our schooling program, our syllabus, at, at whether it be at primary school, secondary school, or even post-primary education, our schooling programs gearing South Africans to be more job seekers as opposed to job creators. Whether you, you, you are approaching an, as an executive, you go to a business school, you want to go and study an MBA for, the, for that matter, the makeup of that is such that it makes you a better employee not an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. And that's where the difficulty is for me as a, as a country. We need to start looking at entrepreneurship differently. Thank you very much for that observation, uh, Dr. Ngrande. We want to take a break in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world, and now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. In South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. You've just joined us. My name is American Bailey. I am joined by Dr. Eslan Rundle, who is a founder and executive chairperson at Dropon Holding, giving us insights on the role of entrepreneurship. Before we took that break, he put it to us that uh, entrepreneurship is a major cog uh, in the broader economic uh, uh, space, and it is important because it creates it creates leaders or it creates environments where entrepreneurs are able to bring about social stability, which obviously quite useful in terms of creating jobs. And he also put it to us that one of the major challenges which, in his view, South Africa needs to grapple with in the main 
is our schooling system. In his view, our schooling system is geared towards instilling a mentality of job seekers as opposed to instilling, entrenching a mentality of job creators. Take us through that, Andre, because you have put it to us that major studies, I would imagine the kinds of decisions that the system takes in addressing unemployment is based on data, is based on global Standard is based on the pattern that I imagine. Even this, in, in this, if that is the case, why is it that we are not gravitating towards an environment which pushes our entrepreneurs as one of, of the major interventions? When you think about it, I think that I made a, uh, a comment about the schooling environment. Our schooling environment gears us towards looking for jobs. That's why a South African child, when they leave an institution of learning, whether it be at a primary or post-primary schooling, the first thing they want is, I'm looking for a job. They are not thinking, I'm going to create jobs. So that, that, that is where the disconnect is. That's, that's the first thing. Secondly, I do not think that we have government support programs that actually support entrepreneurship in its truest form. I think what we would have found and research has shown that what we find is that government throws money at wanting to create solutions that would assist entrepreneurs. And more often than not, some of the requirements or the, the assistance that uh, entrepreneurs are looking for are beyond cash. So it's not cash per se, but it is, uh, it's other interventions like mentorship and coaching, like incubation centers, like market linkages, like fixing the schooling environment to, to develop a mindset that really speaks to entrepreneurship. If all of these things were to be in a program that government supports or that government takes to um, society, especially young people, in the name of entrepreneurship, you'd see a change in mentality because right now our young people are not thinking entrepreneurship. That's why we have such a high unemployment rate. They are thinking finding jobs. Why is government not creating jobs? The truth of it is that we don't wake up and create jobs. We create businesses. And as a consequence of that, we get the jobs that we're looking for. Very interesting observation there. I could not agree with you more. The assumption we're making is that when we have graduates that are not looking for jobs and who are entrepreneurial in the maker, they will be able to establish their own businesses who then employ multitude in those particular businesses. But we've seen that in some instances, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that have emerged as a result of COVID, as a result of unemployment rate, as a result of multiplicity of reasons. And these entrepreneurs or these small businesses have barely survived. I mean, in this country, you, you're probably the best person to tell. On average, every business that has been started, they don't last, what, six months, a year, and they're back to square one. So what lies at the basic level for getting the business to transcend a year's milestone, even to two years' milestone, let them go upwards? What is that we're missing? 
as those businesses that because everybody wants to start a business, but it's not everybody who succeed in business. It will be useful to see majority of businesses succeeding. Are you therefore saying, you know, it's not about just the money, it's about the incubation infrastructure that is there. It is about the market linkages that is there. Take us to your deeper thinking on those issues as to why most businesses, which majority, every single person opens a business and most businesses don't see the light of them at day. Okay, so we first need to establish the difference between an entrepreneur and a tradesman. You've alluded to a number of SMEs or businesses that came about as a result of COVID as an example, and I think that's a very important example. So entrepreneurship within the space of COVID, which is very relevant in the South African context, and I think that we can use that as an example. Entrepreneurship in that context was for people to go and find, as an example, and source PPEs so that they are able to supply these to government at an exorbitant price and whatever the reason or whatever the case may be. What we lacked there is the creation of the PPEs. So what entrepreneurship says is, or what it's looking for in its truest sense, is the creation of solutions that can be commercialized. Once you've created that solution, you then have people that would be your tradesmen to take your product or your services to the market. That is littered with a number of people that are starting new businesses, tradesmen, that is. But that is not entrepreneurship. They haven't created anything in the truest form. They haven't created anything. They've taken what exists, added a markup to it, took it to the market. So that's not creation of solutions that you can commercialize. What you need to also be mindful of is that entrepreneurship is supported or can be embedded by the points that are raised, which is education, proper entrepreneurship education, proper market linkages uh, um, uh, solutions or policies from government, proper drive for innovation in incubation centers, and then proper funding of commercially viable um, solutions that have created a new industry, if you will. When you look at entrepreneurship in other countries, entrepreneurship has a result of new SMMEs. New SMMEs in the space of new products that, that and, and creating of new markets, which makes it easier for entrepreneurship to contribute towards economic growth. Not sure if that makes sense for, for you, Dr. Mbell. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I like the distinction between entrepreneurship and a tradesman. In your view, the majority of South Africans that emerged during COVID, you define them as treatment for they, they had repackaged an already existing item, already existing product and just add a markup to it and sell it. And that, in your view, is a limitation because a true in entrepreneurship, it's about creating value. It's about, it's about uh, creating a product and that, that creates a whole lot of opportunities. But here's the thing, Nwangwe. One, it's about, you've alluded to access to cash, which it is an issue half the time, but also access to market. We do know that the ushering of the BE was also meant to try and unblock some of those challenges. Most people say to us, we do not have access to market. The market has been closed. We have gone through incubation. We've gone through a more little amount of coaching and but we still do not have access to market. If you have access to market, the size of the quantum 
are quite negligible for you to make a significant inroad. What do you take on that? Access to market is um, is a very tricky one and requires for government to intervene. And here's how. Why it is tricky and how government can actually intervene. One, access to market can be limited uh, to the extent that um, SMEs can't penetrate the market They can't take their products or their services to the market purely because big business is bullying them out of the system. Here's how they bully them. They don't go and fight with them and whatnot. So if I were a business in bottle manufacturing, as an example, and there's young people or young SMEs that want to participate in that market, of course, my well-being or the well-being of my organization is threatened by that. Some will see it that way. What I will do, I will go and stockpile all the raw materials for the next five years for the manufacture of bottles so that you can't get that. If I don't stockpile um, the raw materials for the manufacture of those bottles, I will discount them ridiculously that you you would have to compete with me on price basis. And I know that you won't be able to do that. So market linkages need government to assist SMEs by going and procure. Here's what is happening in India. So in India, as a means to support the development of SMEs, what they do is they government stockpiles what it needs and then sells it to SMEs at a discounted price so that they are able to manufacture and compete on discounts with bigger businesses. So that's one way of looking at it. And now I dare to compare this to what Brazilians do, which is exactly the, the government's intervention in terms of making sure that it supports uh, SMMEs by linking them to the market. Now, government is one of the biggest uh, buyers of any products or services. It has it in, in, in its capacity and in its way of doing business to create and develop programs and policies that actually support the development of SMEs. One needs to also appraise the government in terms of saying they've developed what we call the triple BEE, they've developed the supplier development uh, programs, enterprise development programs in the name of um, supporting the small businesses. The challenge with that is that all of that has now turned into a box-ticking exercise because companies want to do business with government. So we have codes, and codes have got targets. Those codes, those targets turned out to be now, have turned out to be a box-ticking exercise. So they are artificial, they are artificial in, 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 it, in their makeup. That's number one. Two, they can be manipulated so that you are able to um, do business with, with government because otherwise you won't be able to do that. BEE is an amazing intervention, but it has turned out not to deliver what has been anticipated as economic development of of, uh, the majority of our people in this country. Interesting observation indeed. Let's have another quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. 
It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrat Mbele. I am joined by Eslan Rander, who is the founder and executive chairperson at Jewel Point Holding. As we all know, he's a serial businessman, serial entrepreneur, giving us uh, depth and insight on some of the biggest issues that uh, small businesses are experiencing. In the main, before we took that break, two things that he, you know, that stood out for me is the fact that in countries, countries such as Brazil and India, government lead the process by stockpiling raw materials that are then sold to small businesses at the cheaper rate, for they know that small businesses are unable to compete with established businesses from a purely from a present point of view. And I think that's quite remarkable, and I'm not sure how far we are as a country to emulate those kinds of issues. That's number one. Number two is access to cash. You know, I want to confine our conversation to access to cash as well as the market. And we know we have every single entrepreneur. Let's assume, Ronald, let's assume I am an established business person. I've been incubated. I've graduated from your incubation center and I've been mentored by yourself and I'm not ready. And my readiness defined as, as an access to cash, but we approach a number of government led entities, which the algorithm funding are so tedious to a point where they are not different from the commercial banks. What has been your experience around this particular issue and what has been the best practice out of getting out of that kind of, of scenario? Because somebody who is who has a turnover less than 10 million rands can't be treated the same with someone who's got a turnover of 100 million rands and above. So there has to be a an approach and a recognition from the funding institution to have a differentiated approach in dealing with entities that has a different uh, outlook in terms of their profile, asset base, and so on and so forth. Your take on that? That's a very important point. And I have had a lot of people, a lot of businesses complaining about accessing government funding for their projects, for their businesses, and so forth. I think there are very critical um, issues, critical skills, government-led places or sources of funding, um, institutions that have been established to assist SMEs with, uh, with funding. One of the key problems there is that you have people that work maybe on the front line of these institutions that make a determination and a decision or that advise on the applications to the powers that be that do not understand business at all. So what they do, they do a tick box exercise. Have you submitted this? Have you submitted this? Do you have a business plan? Um, do you have this, that, and the other? So it's a tick box exercise. What they don't do, which I find unfortunate, and I think that it's an area of improvement of these institutions that have been uh, mandated to support SMEs, at least with, with funding. What they need to do is to find people that they can immerse themselves into your mind to understand your vision as a business person, to understand your view of the world or and what this business would seek to do. 
It's going to take some time. If they do that or when they do that, they will find reason to fund you as opposed to looking for reasons not to fund you, which which is a different mindset. If you are going to be geared to look for reason to fund me, you will look and immerse yourself, immerse yourself into my business proposition enough to, to be able to find reason to fund me. If you are determined not to fund me or your idea is to find reason not to fund me, your thinking it would be absolutely different. You do a tick box exercise and therefore come out with an, a, a solution or an answer that says not too far. That's one. Two, the time, the, 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 the time it takes for one to apply and then to get the approval and then get the funds rolling out is also tediously long. Uh, the process to, to, to access those funds is way too long. What some of the SMMEs are complaining about is that by the time I get the funding, if I do get the funding, two things would have happened. I would have had to bribe somebody within the system to be able to push my application. That is daunting for some of the SMMEs, actually the majority of the SMEs. Secondly, is by the time that money, the funding comes through, I would have been done with what I wanted to do. So the turnaround town is also very important. So those are the issues that government needs to look at, look at when they look specifically to funding SMMEs. The reason why some of the SMMEs, um, uh, and it's a point that you alluded to, that they do not succeed is because there's a difference between an SMME, which is an idea, and also the SMME owner, the idea owner. The idea may be ready to be commercialized and taken to the market when as a, as a, as a, as the owner of that may not be ready. So that is also equally important. It's the horse and the jockey. You gotta get both of them ready. If the, if the jockey is ready, is the horse ready? If the horse is ready, is the jockey ready? Those are the two things that we need to be uh, battling with and answering to, 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 to justify, um, funding commercial opportunities and going into, into, into market. I would imagine, uh, lobby groups, uh, across the spectrum, um, ought to be taking you know, government to task in terms of uh, demanding the review of some of the funding models or the funding criteria for they are really dilapidating any opportunities. I mean, when you, you know, the point that you just made that some of the officials uh, employed in government funding institutions, they themselves have never managed anything. If you've never managed a saloon and here you are wanting to approve a 200 million rands or more, a kind of a business venture. You're very much unlikely to understand for you have never been a business person. You have never managed it of substance other than just being an, an official. I'm saying this with, with all due respect, but that's a reality for, based on what you've just said, my observation is that if the officials had substantial inclination of how to run business, Imagine themselves in your business mm. is likely to find, it's likely to resonate with them supporting your business, uh, because they understand the intricacies of business, not purely, not purely from an accounting point of view, but just the complexity of managing business, the complexity of managing risk and managing cash flow and so on and so forth. So I do hear you and I think it's something that the lobby groups ought to be you know, really trying to push 
to ensure that those that have been entrusted with an opportunity to fund entrepreneurs, particularly in the context of high unemployment rate that we see, uh, which is a ticking bomb. We've always said an unemployment rate is too high. Social upheaval or social ills that you are seeing are as a result of high unemployment. So if you address unemployment rate, if you support small businesses based on what you've been saying, we are likely to proceed. That's absolutely a, a, a good observation. I think uh, 45% or plus of uh, a, a, an unemployment rate is quite daunting and very scary, and it's something that we should respond to with uh, the agency that it deserves. Absolutely. But the other big issue which you've alluded to earlier is that access to market. We do know that there are a whole lot of cabals. Markets are being controlled by a few you know, small businesses that want to participate in the value chain, they have been blocked. My view is, well, let me put it this way. Has there been any study that has been done, which I think there has been, to try and understand what are the blockages in the value chain that blocks, particularly by big players, blocks uh, small uh, businesses to participate? What has been done about that? Has there been any insight based on your engagement with other entrepreneurs? Um, studies ha- have shown, you're quite right, studies have shown that um, small businesses blocked out of participating by bigger business because of the threat that they pose, but also because of uh, small business not really wanting to come up with newer solutions that enhance big businesses uh, offering, if you will. I don't think that we are at that space yet. But I think the most important thing with regards to this point is that government needs to step in to regulate how big business participates uh, at the expense of small businesses in the market. The truth of the matter is that if you ask me, I have created this business for the past 15, 20 years, and then here you are, you come and you say uh, 25% of your business now needs to belong to a small business or a small company. It's not going to sit well with me. I'm also a, an, an, a, a business person and have been running and supporting a number of people with, with my business. But it can be resolved if we design as government and society design programs to support SMMEs and link them to markets. So we have to find a creative way of how do we link SMMEs to the market that we have as government, as an example. I did make mention that government is the biggest buyer of services or products. So we need to actually use that as a muscle to be able to drive market connectivity for SMMEs. Absolutely. We're going to take one more break, and as we need to pay our bills, we'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world, and now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. 
Welcome back. This is Beyond Guidelines. My name is Nimra Kimbella, and I'm joined by Dr. Ezra Rand, who is the founding executive chairperson at the Jewel Bond Holding. Before we took that break, Ezra was giving us um, his observation in terms of what are some of the glitches that he has observed in the value chain and expected to which government needs to make an intervention for there's been sufficient data which warrants an intervention on the side of government, given the fact that bigger businesses have the propensity to bully or monopolize smaller businesses. And that makes it very difficult for equity, particularly of small businesses coming from the black population, as it were. The other issue that he raised you know, before we went to the break, which I think is worthy of exploring a little bit more, it is that of manipulation of the BE scorecard. In his view, BE scorecard um, or codes, from a design point of view, from a principle of view, were quite or are quite laudable, laudable, but in practice, they are vulnerable to manipulation because they are just simply tick boxes. But we've also seen a number of fronting, um, which is part of manipulation that comes to mind. Your view in terms of fronting from the BE point of view and extent to which it harms the emerging businesses and whether government is succeeding or has succeeded in addressing that particular arm. Because it's, it's not only just unethical, but it also undermines transformation, undermines the whole idea of equity and, and undermines the whole idea of, of transparency. Your take on that? Maybe what we need to do is to ask the question as to why some people would allow themselves to be to front and uh, to participate in such ill-gotten gains on on behalf of big business. Remember that we come from a a history where people are have been disenfranchised. That's one. So individuals are hungry, they are unemployed, and they would look for anything that promises economic survival or economic prosperity, if you will. And without thought, without understanding the implications of the actions when they get or do participate in fronting exercises, they get themselves involved in, in, in such activities. That's one. Two, the businesses that get people to front on their behalf need to be punished. There needs to be a consequence if, and a severe consequence, maybe even take their business license away from them if there's, there's such a thing. The reason why they would venture into fronting activities is because the consequence, there's no respect for the consequences. You find me, okay, so you're going to disqualify me for this particular tender. I have another tender to apply for. If we were to say we are blacklisting everybody that is found to have been fronting uh, so that they could do business with government, we blacklist their ID, we blacklist their company registration number, we blacklist their address so that they are not able to do business. The consequences is dire. And a lot of people would think twice before they get involved in fronting exercises. It's just that there is no substantial consequence to uh, involving yourself and participating in in uh, in exercises such as those of fronting. But in some instances, one might argue that fronting is also activated by those that are in the official position, not so much only about the uh, business owners. Yeah, that's correct. And it's the politics of the stomach. It's when people start thinking with their stomachs as opposed to their heads. That's what happens because you are thinking, 
I need to drive that Mercedes. I need to have my kids in a private school. I need, and my income is not enough. Here's an opportunity of a guy that can do the job, except that he doesn't fulfill the BEE requirements. I will suggest that he meets up with somebody or a cousin of mine or whatever the case may be. Even those, if you are found as an official to have instigated or, or, or inspired fronting, you need to be fired. You need to be blacklisted so that the consequence of doing it, when you think about it, you're like, mm, maybe not. I still have a life. I still have a future. I would love to, as it is now, the consequence is not dire. Not Absolutely. enough. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Are you therefore suggesting that part of government support needs to be anchored on a, a consequence management, particularly in those that were found fronting and those that abated a fronting environment? Oh, yes. I advocate for that. It's the only way that you're going to get the true SMEs coming up. And the only way that you can get the participation of uh, of SMEs supported by government and, and protected by government from being bullied, from being shoved aside because you do not have the means or the resources to be able to access raw materials, to be able to, to offer discounts to your um, uh, customers and so forth and so forth. But here's another big elephant in the room, Ezra. The very same government official, you've correctly alluded to the fact that government is the biggest buyer of goods and services. And here is a small business person who has put aside some money, established a business, uh, getting loans, uh, even putting his house um, at risk, and at the back of a very up, upfront and lucrative invoices or uh, contracts. And those people don't get paid by government. I mean, the statistics of people that are not being paid by government are shocking. Yes, are shocking. Mm. And why is it that uh, officials who oversee those kinds of transactions still get paid? Why mm. is it government? I know in Gauteng, for an example, the premier some point, I think with Premier Makura and Premier Banyaza, the Sufi, also uh, noted those kinds of issues and make proclamations around the need to pay small businesses in time and 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 consistent in line with the policy, and yet nothing happens. Well, I'm how not do, sure. How do, you, how do you support small businesses when you're a big buyer and you're, you're making all this glorious pronouncement from a policy point of view, and yet execution uh, does not happen? I'm not sure if saying nothing is happening in that front is correct. What <laughs> What is happening, it may not be happening as fast as we want it to, but I think that there's efforts, and I appreciate that there's efforts by government to have invoices of SMMEs paid within seven days, in other departments within 15 days, which really for me um, is comfort to see that we are wanting to avoid this thing of having uh, SMEs wait for three months for their payment and whatnot. I'm not saying it's smooth. I'm not saying that it is running like a well-oiled machine. I'm saying that um, there's efforts to address that, and, and one needs to appreciate that that you know there, there's something that's been done about that I, mean, I agree with you and i do appreciate your correction there that uh, in these the are measures that are put in place uh, and the reality on the ground is that those interventions are barely enough 
to warrant public confidence, uh, particularly from a small business point of view, because we all know that cash flow is king. And for any business to succeed, uh, you need cash flow. You need a healthy bed balance so that you can begin to leverage on bigger enterprises. And I'm hopeful that the kind of intervention that you're alluding to are beginning to bear fruits. And most SMMEs are beginning to undertake greater business ventures, which then in turn uh, employ a lot of people. And, and obviously with a view to address unemployment rate, that is huge. You know, because the reality of the matter is that this is a collective responsibility. Government has a responsibility. Small business have responsibilities. Everyone has got the responsibilities to what's ensuring that South African Inc. becomes a successful uh, business as it were. Your take that's, on absolutely, that? that's absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. On that point, we're going to take a last break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governments. This is our last link of a very intriguing and complex conversation that we are having with Dr. Ndwanwe, who is the founder and executive chairperson at Joel Point Holding. Ndwanwe is a serial business person and he is definitely qualified to give us insights on some of the challenges that have been experienced by businesses in the main. The idea that I'm picking up from him is the, you know, the level of readiness the readiness of the jockey and the readiness of the horse. The jockey being the owner of the business, if the jockey does not possess correct business acumen, that person is like unlikely to participate well. The horse being the business, if the business does not have the basic infrastructure, that business is very much unlikely to participate competitively in the market. And he obviously put to us that government has put together a wide range of interventions, including the BE, which has its own limitation, particularly from uh, enterprise development uh, point of view. But what is it that um, if you were to be given in your partition, you were to be given an authority to change the landscape of small businesses to a point where majority of them become as successful. What will be the level of change that you that you can immediately activate if you were an advisor or if you were to provide that kind of a solution? There's four things for me. Government needs to look at programs to change our education system. So entrepreneurship needs to begin at a primary school. Entrepreneurship education. And effective entrepreneurship education, I would even venture to suggest that maybe entrepreneurs need to be given the opportunity to teach that subject so that we we talk to people that know what's going on out in the market. So the education part needs to be geared um, such that it does support the entrepreneurs. Secondly, create market linkages using policy and programs of government to be able to get SMMEs to the market. 
Thirdly, incubate innovative, encourage young people or encourage entrepreneurs and SME owners to venture into innovation. Start thinking differently and out of a box. That's the third thing. And fourthly, then fund commercially viable businesses, not just any business, commercially viable businesses that have gone through the education, that have gone through the study of the market, that have gone through incubation, if you will, if that that is what the business desires, and that are innovative and commercially viable, not just commercially viable, but sustainable. So those are the things that I would say programs of government in support of SMEs needs to focus on. Absolutely well said, uh, Dr. Nwandri. Unfortunately, we're going to leave it here. It's been absolutely beautiful getting your views and insight on very elusive and complex phenomenon called entrepreneurship. Thank you. There were, that was Esdron Ranre, who is the executive chairperson at the Dual Bond Holding, who's giving us very interesting insights. His partiality in his view suggests that if uh, government were to look at the education system that is immersed in entrepreneurship to a point where some of the people who teaches as early as primary school need to be those that have had a hand in entrepreneurship. The second biggest uh, line item for him is the creation of uh, market linkages uh, for SMEs, uh, because without market, access to market, whatever, it doesn't matter how innovative you are, nothing would, would obviously be, be, be successful. The third item is incubation of innovation, and we need to obviously create hubs uh, it must let's get to a point where we've got more and more incubation hubs that would enable you know commercially viable business to be funded. Those are the four points that uh, as Don Ronda has shared with us, which I think were are quite valuable indeed. Unfortunately we're gonna leave it here. It is absolutely beautiful um you know sharing these insights with him. I I hope they they resonate with you and you will take some insights on how to take some of your issues forward. Shalom and enjoy your death. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.